This podcast is brought to you by the Turquoise Trail Charter School, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh, you guys, it's tricky. Because as much mm-hmm. as like I want the kiddos to come in, I do, I do, I do. It's like, okay, trying to figure all this out. And I'm hoping that it'll just become like second nature in some sense. But it's just, oh. <laughs> The first four weeks, they're going to be like, put your mask on, put your mask on, put your mask on, blow your nose. Wipe down the bathroom. (laughs) From Protect the Pack Productions at the Turquoise Trail Charter School in Santa Fe, New Mexico, my name is Chris Eide, and this is The Hypothesis, a show about what it's like behind closed doors making decisions about whether or not to open up school in the middle of a global pandemic. When I was growing up, I watched basketball obsessively. And when I was watching basketball obsessively, the greatest player on the planet was Michael Jordan. I'm going to start us off today as an intro- by way of introducing our topic with a quote from Michael Jordan that says, You can practice shooting eight hours a day, but if your technique is wrong, then all you become is very good at shooting the wrong way. When you start off in your teacher preparation program, you typically focus on a number of different things about a classroom, what you need to know, how you need to be aware of what's going on. But the most important thing, the holy grail of teaching and lesson planning is independent practice. That's the part of the lesson where kids sit and practice the skills and content that you lay out for them as a teacher. And they do it with perfect repetition so that they can build that memory, so they can build that what we call tacit knowledge. And they can repeat it so that they can layer more skills, more content, more ability on top of those things. Independent practice is critical. It's absolutely critical. If you look at any lesson plan template, the independent practice section of a template has by far the greatest time allocation uh, of any of the other elements of a lesson plan. Typically, your lesson plan uh, template goes something like this. Do now. This is what students do as soon as they begin class. It's one, two, three, five questions that get students in, get them focused, get them centered on what it is that they've been doing and what they're going to be doing that day. And it's a time for you as a teacher to make sure everybody's quiet. Everybody is centered. You can take attendance without interruption and you can help to make sure that students are focused on the right thing. By quickly scoring that do now, you can get a sense of who's on page with you and who needs a little bit more time on. After the do now, teachers typically build in a hook. Why should students be interested in that day's lesson? Maybe it's an anecdote. Maybe it's, if you're a chemistry teacher, an explosion of some sort but getting students hooked in on the lesson for that day, reminding them of where they're going. Then you as a teacher spend a short amount of time introducing new material. This is what the students are gonna be learning that day. Then you take a little bit of time doing practice together. That's what we typically call guided practice or we do together. So that's a couple of different problems and that's where students can start to get a little bit of repetition and understand what they're doing. 
Then you move on to independent practice. This can take any number of different forms, but it's absolutely critical that students get repetitions on this piece. Everybody does this. You did this when you were younger too. You sat there and maybe did problems from a book. Maybe you did a group project with other students. Something to make sure that you are building the right skills in the right way. As we find ourselves in this particular context though, that very most sacred component of a lesson plan is the one thing that we are really struggling to harness independent practice. How do you do that in this virtual context? Take, for example, our middle school. We have 45-minute classes where students are expected to be online with computer, or sorry, cameras on with their teachers and participating actively in the chat box, in dialogue, however we possibly can to make sure students are involved. Now, in a classroom setting, a student can tune out for a second and as a teacher, you can see that look in their eye. You can see them drifting off for just a second and you can snap them back. On a computer though, you have no idea. They might have five tabs open. They might be actually playing a video game on the side. It's so hard for you to track. So what teachers tend to do then during that 45 minute span, for example, is just a long uh, introduction to new material and guided practice because you don't have them all of the time. You're counting on them outside of class to do the type of independent practice that we would normally be supervising them doing in class. Alternatively, you could have them do independent practice in virtual classrooms, which would mean that you would effectively be trusting that they're all practicing and doing it the right way while we're all together. Doing that in the way that we would typically monitor independent practice in class is impossible. So you have to outsource that to other programs, math programs, ling language acquisition programs, etc., so that you can monitor how well they're progressing and at what rate they're progressing. But even that's kind of imperfect. And we don't know that they're actually getting the level of repetition that they need to get. Moreover, it's really challenging to do that follow-up in the moment with students. Because if you're a teacher walking around and you notice that a student's been doing a particular skill or practicing a particular skill incorrectly for three, four, or five problems, you can stop that. You can go back a little bit and help them to correct that and get it right. Online, when you're working with 20 kids, 30 kids, in that environment, outsourcing it to an application, which may be really, really good, it's so hard to do that. So we're at this crossroads and we talk about this every single week. This week, I'm gonna introduce you to uh, Mark Kolakoff, who is uh, an educator here at Turquoise Trail. He's in the Colorado Educators Hall of Fame and he's one of my favorite people to talk to about instruction. He and I talk every single week about independent practice and ways in which we can reconstruct the lesson planning cycle, the lesson cycle itself, to make sure that kids are getting high quality repetitions. So uh, this week, independent practice, how do we save it? Yeah, I think uh, what's changed so dramatically is time on task for one thing, because we're so limited in terms of how much we actually quote, see the kids. This of course is Mark Kolikoff. This is just really tough to do it through computer screens. And so hopefully when I'm hands-on, I can also watch the processing hands-on. Yeah. Look, 
which I can't right now, which is driving me crazy. I, I just can't, I can't see them work. Um, but I think it's clicked me into that kind of really getting into the um, significant processing and critical thinking while I'm face-to-face with students. Now, Mark and I both teach classes. He obviously teaches more classes than I do. But we're also in classes all of the time, both of us. And we love to talk about what it is we see. So I asked him about what it is that he's actually seeing in classes if we're not doing independent practice. Um, I'm seeing a lot of using that class time for less processing and more delivering of content. That's what I'm seeing so far. Um, It's really hard then for me to analyze because I'm mentoring, so I'm working with other younger teachers. Uh, And so it's hard for me to analyze what work they're doing outside of class because I really don't get to look at that and I don't necessarily get to look at what the work is that they're turning in. How do, how do a, a teacher get the content to the kids so that they can move on throughout the week and then come back with some semblance of what just happened in the class before. But I do see a, a heck of a lot of just dissemination of information and, and, and content delivery. One of the challenges that we're really facing in this is the assessment of how students are doing in the moment and measuring that and making sure that they're actually moving forward, that they're getting the right interventions at the right time. It just becomes really tough to measure. I asked Mark what he thought about higher order thinking and how we get to that place and how we track it. If the classes are built on the higher level thinking skills, even if it's a lower level, higher level thinking skill, <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense. If it's that, um, that I think, you know, you can measure the growth. Even like on a sixth grader who maybe doesn't come in thinking very critically, you can still measure how much critical thinking they're doing in small chunks, mm-hmm. whether it be through, you know, homework or a project or even in the processing in class. But, um, my some a lot of my students are getting into the mode of knowing that when they come to class they're going to have to critically think and speak mm-hmm. they just sit there and be this relative dry sponge so as we're thinking about this challenge and how it is that we move forward how it is that we find time for kids to get repetitions We have to think about mindsets. We have to think about simple levers that we can pull in our own preparation, our own practice that will help us to drive that type of change to get us to that place. Sometimes it's just a matter of digging deep and remember what brought you here in the first place. The the, the other thing about virtual, which I think teachers really need to think about is, and you and I have talked about this before, is that level of of urgency. Mm -hmm. The level of concern, and that's where face-to-face, Bobby knows at any second I can call on. I want that same level of urgency face in virtual. That's why there are cameras around. That's why I'm, I'm forcing them almost to, to engage. And I think that teachers, that's hard for teachers to break through that screen. That sense of urgency has caused us to rethink how it is that we structure our days, how we structure our master schedule how we structure everything. Now, we might be in store for some changes in that regard coming coming up, and we have a lot of really great, bright people thinking about how we might do that. Um, and if there's one thing that we can say about this virtual environment that we find ourselves in, it's truly been a creative and regenerative and generative moment for all of us. I'll leave you with one final note on that uh, from Mark. Um, virtual's been tough, but maybe it's offered us a window to other possibilities. And I think if we can embrace that, which 
I'm really trying to do. I'm, I'm just in that mode. And I told you this how many times I'm not going to use virtual teaching as an excuse not to do things. Um, if we embrace it, if we allow it to be uh, the possibilities, I think it can flip the, the paradigm. Yeah. Next week, I'm going to be joined by our Secretary of Education, Ryan Stewart, who's going to talk to us about how he thinks about governing an entire state, bringing everybody together around education in ways that are safe, but making sure that our students are moving forward in a responsible way. It's an incredibly tough challenge that he's been through, and I'm really looking forward to interviewing him. I hope you all stay safe and stay in touch. Keep reading books and that we see you next week. Take care, everybody. Thank you.